This is the Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called, You've Been Diagnosed with Periodontal Disease. Here's what you need to know next. Welcome to the Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jason Kong, and as you just heard, we've got a wonderful show lined up today. And yes, so you've been diagnosed with periodontal disease. What comes next? Dr. Singletary, that's that's a big question, right? Because periodontal disease is not something that anyone wants to sign up for, but it's good that we caught it. But hey, what do we do next? Well, yeah, Jason, and Happy New Year to everybody. So you're not going to need a frontal lobotomy if somebody says you have periodontal disease. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's understanding the nature of the beast. So if somebody says, "Oh, you have gum disease or periodontal disease," it's they're different diagnoses with periodontal disease. You can have inflammatory gum disease or non-inflammatory gum disease. So it just depends. Is it due to inflammation or is it due to the big T small jaw syndrome where you had orthodontic therapy and gums are receding. You know, you may not be susceptible to the inflammatory component. So understanding what you have and why you have it. So if a dentist says, oh, you have gum disease, then the next step would be what causes it and how you treat it. And so that's the question. How do you treat it? It's simple. Inflammatory gum disease is caused by one thing, bacteria, plaque. And so what I do when I'm get a patient in, they say, I didn't know I had gum disease. It didn't hurt. Gum disease doesn't hurt. It's sort of like high blood pressure and glaucoma. If it hurts, it's curtains. It's too late. Not necessarily, but if it's hurting, you're pretty far along. And so I blend three things, the medical history, the oral exam, and the radiograph analysis, the radiographs. And with those three things, I'll tell a patient, I give them a diagnosis, a prognosis, and a treatment plan. And it varies from person to person. Gotcha. So is there a rooting interest on the part of the patient? Am I rooting for non-inflammatory? Would it better be better for inflammatory or does it really not matter? It's, yeah. it's just periodontal disease. Yeah, you probably want non-inflammatory, but I tell everybody there are two things you have no control over, your immune system and the makeup of the saliva. And so some people, they come in and they have plaque all over the place and they're they still got their teeth. They hadn't had the teeth clean in so many years. You know, you have the beginning to, you know, somebody say, oh, by the way, go see a periodontist. So I see a snapshot of a patient when they come in, but based upon their age, what I see on their x-rays, I can give them an idea of are they susceptible, are they not? And most of the time, see, I get a, um, a consult for recession. There's bone recession, there's gum recession. And it, you guys out there, they've had orthodontic therapy and they say, oh, you got recession, you need a gum graft. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're susceptible to the inflammatory component. You have the non-dystrophic or non-inflammatory issue. You got bone loss, but it's due to the position of the tooth. And I dare say, orthodontists may not like to hear me say this, but if I did a 3D image on all my orthodontic patients or patients have orthodontic therapy, their teeth are going to be out of the bony housing a little bit. They, you know, you got to get the teeth lined up and you know, the position of the tooth. Most of the time, you know, when it's in relationship to the upper teeth, to the upper jaw, to the lower jaw, and the muscles, it's out of the bony housing. If the gum's thin, prominent root, and no bone, you're going to have two pressure abrasion, food abrasion, you know, not necessarily any fault of your own. It's just that wear and tear has caused recession. 
that would be a non-inflammatory component. Yes, that's a good thing to have because, you know, if I can get the gum, if I need to get it thick where it's thin, they're good. It's the inflammatory component that you got to be aware of and, and why is there inflammation. Gotcha. So let's say you've done your analysis here and whether we have periodontal disease that's uh, inflammatory or not, what are the next steps for treatment? So first of all, recognize what causes it. And generally, we'll do a bacterial analysis on our patients when they come in. We'll show them on the, on the uh, video screen what plaque looks like, understanding that everybody has bacteria in their mouth. If you don't have bacteria in your mouth, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be there. And there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. And the more you manipulate it, the less opportunity for the bad guys to grow, the ones that don't like oxygen. So when I, I, I start simple, you know, what causes it? plaque how you treat it you remove it and we've talked about this in the past brushing once or twice a day is not enough four times a day with an extra soft brush and getting it in between the teeth once a day you know that's above the gum i treat below the gum so getting back to my golf bag analogy what club do i pull out depends on the medical history depends on the age of the patient depends on what i see on the x-rays but hopefully a patient has a full bag of options you know, the antibiotic club is a putter. I can put a patient on antibiotic and it kills the bad guys, or guess what? They grow back. And so that's the issue, understanding the nature of the beast, you know, the, how you treat it. For the first thing is above the gum, what you do daily, and then we'll come up with a game plan for what, what I do. And, you know, the five irons, the root plane club, where we numb up and go into the gum. It's not surgery, but it's a way of removing plaque in a way that is not invasive particularly and most patients respond to that and they can go into a holding pattern but the difference between what I do and, and, and say a, a general dentist and, you know, a general dentist who does crowns and bridges and fillings and things you're done when the filling's done you're done but when you have periodontal therapy it's an ongoing issue and whoever's treating that need, you know, they understand that the patient needs to understand, oh, yeah, I've had root planing done. I'm good. You know, I don't need to get my teeth clean anymore. No, life is just beginning with understanding that this, what I call the pyramid of susceptibility. When somebody comes in, I can look at a blend in medical history, the oral exam, and the x-rays, and I'll come up and say, this is, I think you're susceptible. Getting your teeth clean and the general cleaning you know, once or twice a year may not be enough. So the end house treatment, you know, the things that we do when the patient comes to our office, that's pretty much below the gum. But above the gum, that's their thing at home. But the two most important parts just maintaining any gum tissue health is what they do at home and their regular cleanings. And that's the most inexpensive part of periodontal therapy. What I do aggressively below the gum is to make sure that when they have that space between the tooth and the gum, when I do my exam and I'm measuring and the area is deeper than three millimeters, they can't clean that. And the bacteria gets on that, and there are different ways to get rid of that bacteria, which we take one step at a time. But once I go in and clean the root off, life begins with the fact, okay, guess what? It grows back, and you got to just continually do your thing at home. And if, you, if a person does that, stays in a good maintenance program, they're going to slow things down. Dr. Singletary, I've learned so much 
doing this program with you, and I would think this is a bit of an aside, but I would think you know prior to learning a lot about this with you, if I had heard about periodontal disease and that it can be caused by bacteria, I would think, oh well, just because of what I'm bombarded with in terms of commercials, well, mouthwash that that's something that I need. Can you talk about the role of mouthwash if yeah. if there is a role at all yeah. here? Yeah, I mean. Mouthwash is, to me, again, whatever you do, within 30 minutes of brushing, rinsing, it grows back. Now, I tell patients to brush four times a day. Scrub technique's fine. Dry brush is fine. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, whether they eat or not. And before they go to bed, take take your time, clean them good. Think the tooth is a mirrored box, and you're polishing all five surfaces. You got to floss to get in between the teeth. But then you start talking about, okay, what about toothpaste? And what about rinses? Rinsing gets loose debris out. There are rinses out there that have ingredients in it that on contact kill bacteria. There's no rinse that really has lasting effect. There's one that has chlorhexidine gluconate that binds to the tissue, kills bacteria over time, but still over time it grows back so it's an adjunct and it varies from person to person but I, I try to keep it simple when I treat patients you, you try to add a lot of things or you should do this you should do that you should use this rinse it sometimes it's the you know, operator preference you know some dentists like iodine rinses some p- people like salt water rinses some people like Listerine has xylitol in it. It kills bacteria. I like zero alcohol Listerine. So, I mean, these rinses do help and may make your breath good. But I tell patients, when you brush your tongue, you know, that's the oral bacteria on the tongues where that odor comes from. Bad breath comes from three places, sinus, periodontal disease, or, or oral cavity, and stomach. And so sometimes a patient comes in, they say, I have a bad breath, and I rinse, and I'm not, it's not going away. You know, do they have a sinus infection? Do they have, you know, acid reflux? You know, those things come in. But rinses are good. I mean, they, they, you shouldn't rely on it. Some people say, well, I rinse four times a day. I'd much rather you brush four times a day than rinse four times a day. But it's better than nothing. And I do say when you brush, except before you go to bed and you want that fluoride on your toothpaste to bathe your teeth, I may say don't rinse after that because you want that fluoride to soak, soak into your tooth te- structure during the sleep. But rinsing uh, you know, during the day, if you can't brush, rinse with water. Or you know, salt kills bacteria. Two teaspoons full of salt, eight ounce glass of water, put in the microwave for 30 seconds. Salt and a, a super saturated solution of salt, the osmotic pressure causes the bacteria to explode. So that's a great rinse. Wonderful. And thank you for covering that. I know that wasn't exactly along the lines of what we were talking about, but it, it was just something that popped into my mind. When it comes to periodontal disease and you know, we're talking about what's next, what happens if what's next is we drag our feet? What are we susceptible to? You know, COVID did a lot of things to my patients. We were um, open, seeing emergencies, so to speak. I'm a healthcare provider, so, you know, and gum disease is infection, it's inflammation. And I had one patient who had a periodontal abscess, and I said, you need to have this treated. We need to do something with this. I put her on antibiotic, but she, because of COVID, she didn't come back in. Two years later, she comes in, and she says, you know that tooth that had the abscess? I said, yes. She says, I got sepsis. I had to go in the hospital because of that tooth. So you, when you chew, you have bacterial showers in the bloodstream. And so it takes a minute to go from your mouth to your toes. So you, when you have inflammation in your mouth, and, and, and this is another issue too, getting your teeth clean 
eliminates the bad guys. When you chew, you have bacteria, showers, and bloodstream. There are some individuals in the medical profession will tell a patient who's having a hip replacement not to have their teeth cleaned three months before the procedure. That's ludicrous. You know, every time you chew, you have bacteria, showers, and bloodstream. Does that individual tell the patient, okay, you're not going to have your teeth cleaned, but you should brush your teeth four times a day? No. I asked the patient, did the physician ask you to, are you, what your oral hygiene is like? No. But they're telling you not to have your teeth cleaned three months before a procedure. Somewhere there's a lack of communication in our profession how important it is to physically, it's simple. And it's like lung cancer. If you smoke, stop smoking. <laughs> Maybe you won't get lung cancer. You know, if you brush your teeth and get the plaque off, not just oral health, but systemic health too, because every time you chew, you have bacteria, showers, and a bloodstream. Good, good question. Well, that's another reason why we need to take action as soon as we can to prevent uh, some long-term problems, uh, additional long-term problems, I should say there. So we always get an action step to leave us with at the end of the programs that we can go ahead and take this thing by the reins and make sure that we're in good shape. What is our action step for today? Well, probably two things. One is bleeding, swelling, bad taste. If you notice that, call your dentist and say, hey, I'm noticing bleeding. I tell my patients that you've been through treatment. This is what I've seen. If you're going after and after a couple of days, it's still bleeding. Call me. You know, once a patient's been in my practice, they don't have to show up necessarily. They can call and say, this is what's going on. You know, I don't want to burden a patient with coming in all the time, but I can tell them you know, based upon what they tell me over the phone. And the other is if, if they've been diagnosed, ask the, if they're going to a dentist and just ask the hygienist or dentist, hey, do I have gum disease? Is there an issue? If a person, you know, this, is, this is the action step that you're talking about, but one of the issues that we're having seen now is that, with, and this could be another podcast, is that patients that have inflammation and they're taking teeth out and putting implants in and they're susceptible to gum disease. You know, they're thinking, okay, I'm eliminating these teeth, but they're having implants put back in. That may not be a good thing. So being aware of the character of your gum tissue, is it bleeding and understanding, you know, from your provider, yes, you have an issue, and then get the information. Get, get, um, find out what you need to do to stop that. That's wonderful advice, and it's always good to get a second opinion as well. Well, that will do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to the Gum Guru Podcast with Dr. Macon Singletary. We will catch you next time. Gum disease is preventable and treatable. If you want to know more about ways to make sure your smile is healthy and more information on whether you need to schedule an appointment with Dr. Singletary, check out their website at NorthRaleighPerio.com. If you have other questions you'd like to have answered on the Gum Guru podcast, send them to contact at NorthRaleighPerio.com.